0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty, barbering and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Every Sunday we feature brilliant professionals from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And today we are having a deep conversation around the importance of the customer journey it's a really big idea that can be game-changing in how we think about business and engage with our clients to drive success over the top when done right and i am most excited to welcome somebody i know you guys are going to enjoy and that is missy meganson director of sales and business development at schedulicity she has a wealth of experience and knowledge and um yeah, she is an executive with BeautyCast Network's newest brand partner, Schedulicity. And I am really excited about this, this partnership, number one. I'm most excited to have Missy with us, but I'm really excited about the partnership. I go way back with Schedulicity. I kind of feel like I'm one of the first pe- people that they knew in the professional beauty industry. I did some work with them, like, I don't know, maybe 12 years ago. So let me stop there. Uh, stop being excited and, and and welcome, Missy.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation.
0: Let's first um, introduce you to the audience by way of, I guess I'm going to call them the cliff note versions of your career. You've done a lot. So give us the one minute tour of Missy's career in beauty.
1: Yeah, I always have to say that just because I've worn almost every hat that you can in this industry doesn't mean that you should. I always feel like I have to preface that because... Uh, I wouldn't change anything about my journey, but I always want to make sure that it doesn't seem like a a roadmap to something specific. I feel like everybody should be on their own. So I have to say that first. Um, But yes, I have been a stylist for 20 years. I went independent two years in. So I've been uh, self-employed for 18 of those 20 years. I have owned a salon. I have been an Alpha Parf brand ambassador, independent educator and before starting my role at Schedulicity, uh, sort of had this like speakeasy uh, social media management agency where I was on the back end of multiple different brands that you probably know and love.
0: Now, give us also the kind of the, the cliff note version of Schedulicity.
1: Yeah. So Schedulicity is an online booking platform first and foremost. So we are just here to make online scheduling easier and better for you and the client. Obviously, within that, we have a an extremely competitive payment processor with a competitive rate. Uh, we have all sorts of marketing suite and features. But first and foremost, we consider ourselves an online scheduler first. Uh, and then the other things are the added bonuses to what we do.
0: And I, I have to say, I, I kind of think of Schedulicity as as the, I think the young people call it the goat. The, uh- yeah. <laughs> the or or the OG the OG the, the yes OG we were of, you were i know you yeah. were we one were of one the of the first, first in
1: space yep
0: yep and and uh, just have done great work over the years so excited to have you here and i'll i'll, I'll just give a, a little itsy busy preview that this conversation uh, is is kind of the beginning of of something really exciting for me we, we've decided together to launch a, a monthly special episode of this podcast and we're calling it the we're calling it mastering the business of beauty. I love it. In collaboration with Schedulicity. It makes me so happy. And you're going to be deep in the weeds with us on that one. So excited to have you with us for that as well, Missy. So, so okay, let's, let's um, start with the first question we ask every guest and that is um, best advice somebody has given you over the course of your career, over the course of your life that's been helpful to you in having this great career that you've had.
1: I've had lots of incredible advice, but the first big piece of advice I got was actually from my soon-to-be father-in-law, and that is what made me go out on my own as an independent. I really had no idea what I was doing. I probably shouldn't have, but he basically started asking questions. So the advice was actually someone who I knew and could trust, and they cared about me asking questions about why I was choosing to stay in a situation I was, obviously, he his background is financial advising. And so we were asking lots of questions about the financial structure of what was going on and sitting down and really just exploring what different business options I could have within this career. And I think I think starting off so early on, asking questions, And looking at my financials and always diving into them is one of the best things that could have happened because I started then and I I haven't stopped since.
0: Well, it brings up two really important issues is to me, one is the power of mentors. We hear it so often. And clearly this was somebody who filled that role very, very early in your career. And then I think as importantly, perhaps more importantly, the fact that he came from the financial world, you know, and and brought that information to you because it is one of the biggest challenges we have as an industry. And we always tell young people, it's so important to focus on financial literacy uh, in your career and in your personal life.
1: Yes, I could not agree more. That has was really a catalyst to, um, again, making a lot of the decisions that I have. Uh, the other... Little bit, I guess, would be honestly, and you and I talked a little bit about this, but the advice that I got from the actual corporate franchise structure of Jimmy John's Mm -hmm. Sandwiches. My husband and I owned two franchises, and there is nothing that's going to make you look at your business and what your day-to-day looks like more than seeing how a franchise is set to operate. So those kind of two things. Again, mentorship, business planning, being comfortable with your numbers, have what have always been these next big steps in my career.
0: Well, and Jimmy John's and in franchises, I'll just say the word and we'll, we'll move on, but I, I want everybody to hear it. And that's about the power of systems. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> for another podcast. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. So um, ah, the customer journey. So we both have a lot of passion for it. I have to say to the audience, you know, we're nothing without customers, without clients, right? And, and clients have choices. And clients have become kind of persnickety in a post-pandemic world. Um, I think they're more aware of their options than ever. So, you know, the quality of everything we do, the service, of course, the technical work, of course, but there's a lot more to it. So I'm going to ask you, like, give us a little context, a a definition from your perspective of the customer journey.
1: Yeah. So the, the kind of starting point to me even thinking about diving into this is because it is from owning a salon and just obviously being on social media a lot, we hear the client experience a lot. Uh, We hear people want to promote their client experience a lot, as you should and can. But a lot of times that is always um, only around what's happening inside the salon. It's the coffee that you're going to offer or the cookies that you have on your bar or Um, maybe the products that you use, all great things to talk about in your marketing plan. But in my opinion, and actually data would support that, the customer journey actually starts before they've even found you or know who you are. And then it doesn't, and it actually ends far after they have left your space. And so my goal in these conversations is to sort of dive into and actually kind of attribute each Step of that process to offer more clarity and maybe bring some more awareness to. Yes, having coffee is awesome. I love a coffee bar. That was a huge thing in my salon, but there are other things we should be maybe focusing our attention to just a little bit more.
0: Absolutely, and as a coffee fanatic, you know I would say that yes, I agree completely. But again, for a coffee fanatic, if your coffee is mediocre, that's a, that that is a, a negative in the journey for me personally. In a business environment and we're all different. I think that's so important to recognize as well.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: I just read a fascinating stat that connects to this. And again, goes to that outside the salon idea. And we we just don't think about it often enough. So this was a stat I heard from one of the big tech companies. I can't remember which one it was, um, but I remember the stats so clearly. And that was that 68% of people who are looking to engage with a business who call and no one answers the phone, 68% do not call back. They move on to another option in whatever they're looking for. That speaks to the journey.
1: I could not agree more. My biggest thing in this, and I always have to joke and say that I hated online booking. And I'm going to say that loud and proud. I say it because I think it makes me slightly. I have to be honest and true to everybody. Um, I was so anti-online booking. I had my paper book. I carried around with me everywhere. Boundaries. I didn't know her. I was just running my business, wanting to make all the money, do all the things. And I Mm -hmm. crashed and burned like 500 times. Mm -hmm. So in all of that exploration, in my two decades of doing hair, I've learned some things. And what I've learned is how we establish what our structure looks like within the client journey has to directly relate to actual consumer behavior. It's bigger than just client wow. salon behavior. It's actually consumer behavior. To your point of that stat that you just read, our our behavioral patterns are being shaped on a regular basis now more than ever with the involvement of tech at a rapid pace, and if we're not paying attention to what our consumer behavior is like personally, and then what consumer behavior is like at a broader scope, we're going to be missing out on A, potential business in general, or B, a potential ease and flow of business that could be accessible to us were we to adopt it sooner.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, that's such an important point. We don't often think enough about kind of the collective behavior of human beings and how much it's changed. I love to talk about my mom uh, on the podcast. Sometimes my mom's 88 years old. Um, she's got it very much together. She's in amazing health. Um, and she, at the age of 88, very different than I would say even 10 years ago, um, has no patience, no patience. She, and she grew up when it was normal to wait on hold for 20 minutes for everything no matter what you were trying to do the doctors the dentists you know the salon you just waited and you knew they'd come back eventually today you don't put mom on hold and it's just a shift in behavior it's not that she's getting old and and curmudgeonly it's just a shift in human behavior and you bring up a really important point
1: i think too i'm a i'm a Problem solver. I'm well, a middle child. I I don't know if that's a birth order thing, but my parents always called me Missy Fix It. Believe me, I've talked to my therapist about <laughs> it. We're un, we're unpacking what that means. Always being that um, problem solver, but within that, I'm always trying to look for solutions. So whenever we have a uh, common theme and something that I hear the stylist community or beauty pro community talking about that feels problematic, I'm always like, okay, but let's offer a solution on the back end. So the one I would think of would be boundaries are a big buzzy word and calling clients out for texting you at all hours of the mm-hmm. day, whatever, whatever. To that, I offer, do we really think that the client is trying to text you and they think that they're off? Or is this just what we've been conditioned to do? Because with almost anything else, if we think of it, we can act on it instantly. And so how can we structure our business to basically adapt to that versus potentially victimizing ourselves to that? How can we fix that and solve that versus just calling it a problem? And that's what I think about sometimes when we run into these things that can potentially be things that leave stylists to burnout or a boundary-breaking action, um, we have the opportunity in a high touch point industry to be very vulnerable at multiple points in the day. So we also have the ability to strong-arm ourselves with systems that sort of put guards in place against that. And I'm super passionate about talking about how we can problem-solve versus just calling it a problem on the consumer's behavior.
0: I love that I love that and and i'm going to go back and i'm going to I, I went to one of my favorite resources today, and that's artificial intelligence chat my friend that's <laughs> and, asked, and asked it about, and asked it about the touch points and gave me a little outline and i'm going to just read these really quickly and it'll give us some jumping off points, but yeah, really importantly, and you and I talked about this at breakfast in Anaheim, you know there's out of the salon touch points and there is in the salon touch points so it's really important that again we think of this. As a true client journey it's it's not a moment in time so so ChatGPT said to me, and this doesn't make it the right or the complete list, but it was a first pass list out of the salon touch points website and online booking social media engagement email marketing. uh, text reminders and text promotions follow up communication content marketing loyalty programs Community engagement. You and I could quadruple this list, I think. But that's a starting <laughs> yeah. place. Now, next, it gives me in salon touch points. Great stuff to think about. And you can break all of these down further reception and welcome area, um, consultation, service experience, checkout process, salon atmosphere. Um, again, very simplistic. This is, um, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 points. I believe there's probably closer to 100. Let's dig into some of these touch points. If you want to just pick something random, I'll, I'll let you pick from the menu.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, uh, similarly to you, I guess I I sort of like segmented into like six. Uh, obviously, there's multiple. I have six like kind of pillars within the touch yep. points and then you yep. go beyond that. So yep. how they find you, what happens after they find you, what happens after they book with you. What happens during their salon experience? What happens during the checkout and rebooking process? That's a little bit of a separate one. And then what does the follow-up after the appointment look like? Uh, My favorite within this is actually what happens after they find you. Because interestingly enough, we think that it's getting the awareness out I have audited probably hundreds of Instagram profiles and booking flows for stylists. I am always shocked, stunned, and amazed that sometimes the easiest hangup to making the booking process flow better is kind of the one thing that's left out. And that is creating a clear, actual flow to what happens when someone wants to book with you. Mm -hmm. It sounds so simple. And yet it's actually a little bit more complex and something that I think we overlook because it doesn't feel sexy and fun and whatever. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, just got to get discovered. I just need my hashtags to work. I just need eyes on my page. I need my analytics to be good. I need my Google analytics to click, whatever. Well, you can get people to know who you are all they want. But if they can't figure out what to do next, there's going to be a hang up. And that's sort of like my favorite pausing ground because everybody's like, wait, what? (laughs) Like what? I got eyes on my page and then what?
0: When we launch Mastering the Business of Beauty, I kind of want our first episode now to be about the flow of booking. It is such a block for. I talk to so many people. I, I, I love. I love talking to air and consumers about online booking. I, I just think, first of all, the stat that almost half of, of professionals don't use it just stuns me. Um, so I'm always asking my client friends, you know, like, what do you guys think about it? And probably I would. I would say eighty um, percent, maybe seventy percent, is very positive. But I still talk to people who say. My salon has it, and they make me jump through so many hoops to do it that I just don't even bother. I just call them. I mean, they don't necessarily leave the salon; they don't. I would, by the way, if you don't have online booking, I can't go to you because I have a busy life, and you know, it's just I I need it. You know, I need it, and and even if I love you, you, you gotta you gotta give me that booking option. So I I love that you talk about the flow of booking. I think that's a really big idea. Let's let's make that episode number one.
1: Okay, I like it. I'm ready.
0: I want to add to that though, the, the finding you thing, I really have been focused on that a lot and it goes back to mom again, you know, because I was recently with my mom and we were talking about where to go eat and she pulled out her phone and hopped right on Google maps, 88 year old mom. Going mom to is
1: crushing it mom
0: is crushing it and she told me oh her and all her friends all her church lady friends you know they play a game <laughs> they play a game with Google Maps where they all go on and do their own thing on Google Maps to find a restaurant you know that they think is the one to go to lunch this week they and they put their phones on, upside down on the table they mix them up and somebody closes their eyes and grabs the phone and that's where they go <laughs>
1: stop it right Uh-oh. now that is go- actually incredible <laughs>
0: it's a Google Maps game but here's what I noticed you know uh, and have noticed even looking at restaurants you um, is that some have set themselves up so that when you get to google maps you have a great experience you really understand what that business is about you can see what it looks like you kind of get the vibe you you see what the menu is it's all there on google maps and then sometimes there's like nothing and and i think it's i think looking at salons it's it's a problem
1: so In 2019, when I opened my salon, I feel like we were kind of just starting to wrap our heads around Google My Business as a separate platform. And in 2024, if you are not thinking of Google my business as a separate platform you are missing out on a very very key touch point finding factor for your business just ask gordon's mom
0: we're back to behavior we have been trained the best way to find certain businesses is on google maps not on google i mean it's just m- many of us we go there for everything and so and i i think we're We're headed towards the tipping point with those looking for salons and how they think about Google versus Google Maps.
1: Yes. And it's just so easy. Uh, To me, it's, you know, when we start to talk about uh, one other thing, again, I get it. Um, If you are like, oh my gosh, now I just have to do one other thing. Now it's Google My Business, whatever. Well, here's the deal. If your goal is to grow your business, and we always, always, always bring it back to what is your end result? What is your goal driving this? If your goal is to build a sustainable business behind the chair, bring new clients in, then really your focus can be pretty multi-channeled and easily replicated in a very simple flow. Now what gets tricky is when you get a little sidetracked Because that one chick just went Insta-famous or she went viral on TikTok and you want to figure out how to do that too. It is impossible to have both of those as your same goal and your driving force at the same time.
0: And I would say what is most important to most professionals is your day-to-day business, being on top of it, you know making the money you got to make to pay your bills and live the life you want to live. And when you've got that nailed, then you can in your spare time figure out how to be the, the king or queen of TikTok.
1: Heck freaking yes. But yes, absolutely. If you're over there trying to figure out the algorithm and how to beat it and how to boost the what, who's he, what's it's at any given point. Obviously, if now I'm telling you to get familiar with Google, you're going to want to like, just be like, who is this chick? She just made my life harder. But if you have the same goal, if you have a consistent goal in mind, which is building your business to be discoverable to bring clients in so that you can have a sustainable business behind the chair, the content that you create can pretty much be duplicated, replicated and posted on a multi-channel approach, including Google.
0: And then back to, you know, this is one of the most competitive businesses, I think, on the planet, you know, and I think it's so important that we recognize that. And when we, you know, think about these kind of the transformation that never ends of our industry, of our business as technology changes, as people change, you know, behaviors, as you mentioned, you know, if we get too stuck on, oh my God, now I got to do that. Well, I hate to tell you, but there's a generation coming up behind you who was born into that and they're going to be doing it. And so, you know, we, we just have to keep up competitively and figure it out. And yeah, we have to figure out which battles are worth most important to fight. But, um, yeah, um, Just getting blocked because it's one more thing, that is its own challenge for most of us.
1: For sure. And here's the deal. The more consistent that you can stay in something that you do to drive growth to your business, let's talk about the client journey. Let's talk about your marketing approach. Let's talk about that in a full circle. If you can stay consistent to the goal of building your books up to be sustainable then things can start to get a little bit easier for you. You can potentially put things not fully on autopilot, but you might not have to be as aggressive with some of your marketing efforts, with some of those behaviors. It, it, you can turn it on and off when you know how to do it. And that really is a cool factor of this industry and this business that sometimes I think people complain about, to, but to me, I think it's a superpower. You can learn how to dial it up and dial it down whenever you need to if you do the work to get there.
0: And to help us in all that, you know, th- there's, there's what we call best practices. So much of it's been documented. So much of it's been proven. Again, back to mentors. We're surrounded by all kinds of successful people, really giving people in this industry who will share kind of the, the, the secret sauce, perhaps, you know, to their success. And then there's stuff outside of our industry. Um, you and I talked about a book I read recently, uh, Will Gadara, um, Unreasonable Hospitality. I recommend everybody read it. He spoke of serious business. But he shared this interesting stat, which was that in a restaurant, when they put the mint on your check, that simple idea of you're checking out and they put that little mint on your on your check, which is more often than not probably at a diner, um, tips go up and it's been proven, tips go up 25% for that restaurant that's making that very simple choice. I told my hairdresser, dude, go buy some mints. <laughs>
1: well, I would also like to say when you just said when you're at a restaurant and they put a mint with your check, who all started Thinking of restaurants in their brain, like as soon as you said that, who then just started to associate a restaurant with that concept too. That experience, someone just verbalizing part of an experience, made me immediately start thinking of a couple places that I know do that. So then, that's actually tying in your
0: branding. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I, I I really love that. And again, it's again this journey. I think is it's really taking the time to just. Think about all the various places where you touch somebody. And again, recognize that everybody's a little bit different. Some people care about the coffee, some people don't. You offer me coffee and and cookies in in a salon, and it might be one of your most cool things that so many of your clients love. Honestly, me, I don't care about either of them. Why? Because there's hair. Yeah. I'm that client. (laughs) I'm that client who many years ago found a hair in his coffee that had been served to him. It came from my head, by the way. But I was just kind of like, nope, no more coffee and, and no more, and no more cookies. And that doesn't make it a bad thing. Just understand I'm different. So what's the touch point that is going to excite me, that other kind of client? You, you kind of need to really run the gamut of all those touch points so that you can make as many clients just feel great a, a, about the time that they spend with you. And it goes beyond what you do in the chair, because so many of you are great at making us feel great in the chair.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's been said time and time and time again, and it's true. What we do here is what we go to school for, but it is such a small part of the overall structure of what it is that we do every day. It's an, a relationship. It's a full-fledged powerhouse business It is so many big things that we kind of get to own and be excited about if we want to take the time to opt in to learn about the other facets of it.
0: Let's talk for a minute. I'm really curious, uh, some thoughts around this, and that's checking people out. I just feel like that's such an important opportunity. And I think it's probably one of the most often missed opportunities because Often you're racing to get to the next client or you're handing me over to somebody who I don't have a relationship with. Like, I feel really good about you. We've just had this great conversation. You're handing me perhaps to a busy receptionist who's checking several people out and several people in. And I, I often feel, ooh, that might be a missed opportunity. So so talk about the checkout.
1: So I think it can be a huge missed opportunity on so many levels. And I also just experienced something for the first time watching checkout through somebody else's eyes. And I, it was heartbreaking because it was my brother, but I'm going to share the story because I think it's a great learning lesson for all of us about being intentional in every step and not assuming that somebody understands what's going on just because we do. Just like Gordon doesn't want a coffee because of the hair. We're like, oh, we ate hair all day long. But that doesn't mean that our clients want to, right? Right, So this is another version of that. So my brother is... Uh, 42 years old. He is incredibly brilliant. He is also has a very unique form of bipolar disorder called schizoaffective. So he's lived a fair amount of his life um, with severe anxiety, social situations, and highly medicated. He's a miracle to even be alive, but he doesn't get out much because he stays in his very comfortable um, consistency is very key for him. Well, I was in town a couple weeks ago. He wanted to meet me at a coffee shop he had never been to. He had never used the POS system that they were using at that coffee shop. And they just keyed in the coffee thing and spun the thing around and just left it there and didn't say anything about where you put your card. Tap here, sign here. Do you want a receipt? Watching him through it. And you could see him panic and get embarrassed and he actually asked the the person checking him out if he could just hand them the card. I could see what was happening right away and I stepped in, but in that moment I was like, "Man, I never even stopped to think that dealing with multiple different point of sale systems in a day could be anxiety causing for someone who isn't familiar." And that was a huge lesson for me even. Then in that moment We can carry out that customer journey that much further by saying, hey, put your card here or you can tap it and then go ahead and fill this out. And walking them through that process in a very thoughtful and inclusive way, it was just a super big learning lesson for me as I got to sit and watch about just another important touch point.
0: You just brought up something that is is such a hot button for me right now. And I was at dinner with some friends recently, and it became a a real topic of conversation at dinner, which is it feels like there is this kind of behavior that's happening across many industries today that are in the personal service business where they do exactly what you just described, but I'm going to add a little something to it. And that's that spin around moment, right? And it's kind of the pad thing, the iPad or whatever is a spin around. The conversation we had was it feels connected, to the idea of tipping. Starbucks is such a great example. Starbucks never had tipping, like in the, in the electronic version, they had the tip jar, right? And now if you go into the Starbucks, they, you know, you have the opportunity to tip, but often it gets spun around and the tip comes up in, in front of you. I, I like tipping, you know, so, but it's there. And usually it starts at 20% and the person who is going to potentially be the recipient of the, of the tip while you're doing this kind of steps away, which might feel polite, but it, doesn't always feel polite. It feels like you're just kind of stuck and you've got people behind you. And if you don't push the right button, you're publicly being not appropriate, perhaps. And I think there's a lot of discomfort in the world because of technology and how it's evolved post-pandemic and how tipping has evolved. And I think there's a lot of client angst in and out of salons. And there's a lot of pushback right now that I've read about, about the level of tipping and how we all rose our level of tipping during pandemic and people are looking for a correction. So, I find that fascinating. I feel for your brother and I can relate to him and what he went through in that moment.
1: That is such an interesting point that you bring up that it would be connected to tipping because I've watched that again through just like owning my salon and auditing and watching checkout behaviors. And for me, um, again, because I love communication, right? So communication is my little sweet spot. So this is my little space where, you know, someone else, I couldn't tell you how to color unicorn hair and I am terrible at it. and I soak up every ounce of advice when it comes to people coloring that way. But communication is my passion. And so in those moments, I would say, let's be super intentional and come up with ways that you can actually perform a checkout in a way that feels comfortable for you, but is also putting your client first. So that looks like a couple different things be intentional about walking them through what they're going to do. I understand that if you're checking somebody out who's also tipping you, believe me, I've been independent for 18 years. I get it. It's freaking awkward. All you need to say is something as simple as, all I need you to do is fill out what's on this screen right here. Any questions, I can answer them for you and then just click done when you're done. Beyond that, they can ask But at least you're letting them know, hey, there's a screen that they're going to need to fill out and then click when you're done. I am going to have a little you plug for a quick second.
0: Please. One (laughs) of
1: my favorite things, actually, if you're an independent, is that you can text your client to check out. It's a 10 minute live link. So what I love to do is actually say, "Okay, I'm going to text you the invoice right now. You can go ahead and take care of that right from your phone. And while you do that, I'm going to take care of the rebooking. So they're being prompted directly on their phone. I don't have to do anything. I don't even have to touch their card. This was really big during COVID, obviously, so that we could stay distanced and then I'm getting to do something else and manage my time while they're doing it. So I've completely removed myself from the checkout process.
0: Efficiency, you created efficiencies. I exactly. love it, I love it. And you gave, gave some clients, You know, I, I think the space that they will enjoy around this topic we're talking about. So my favorite coffee shop um, is Intelligentsia in Chicago. If you love coffee to get to Chicago, check out Intelligentsia. My favorite checkout person at my closest intelligentsia, um, I experienced her, um, several months ago at the first time this happened she did the, the turn around the tablet thing, pretty much did what you said, but added the comment. And by the way, tipping is optional because tipping Ooh. was going to be staring me in the face. Guess what? She got a 25% tip because she said that to me. <laughs> I love and that. I was like, I loved her so much for saying that to give me, you know, that space. Um, but I tipped her more. It was like she gave me a mint.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> It was the mint. Hey, and I'm going to take this even one step, two steps, three steps further with this tipping conversation, which don't worry, everybody. We will dive into this even more when we're on this particular episode. But we've just actually updated our um, one of our products in our app. And it is our tipping feature. And it allows you to change the amounts customized to what percent you would like to offer. But this this is another thing. It actually allows you to completely remove that prompt altogether. So if tipping is not part of your business structure, which is extremely popular right now, I have my own opinions. But what I love is facilitating everybody to be able to make the choice to run their business with ease the way that they want to. And so now if that's a huge hang up and you don't even want to go through it, you can remove that prompt from your checkout screen.
0: Love that. Love that. All right. So customer journey, you know, um, metaphorically, you know, um, this could be a movie, but we're going to make it a mini series. <laughs> so, so
1: oh, who do I get gonna... to be? Be my actress.
0: Ooh, we're going to talk about that next time. We'll okay, I We're going to both think about that. All right. I'm All thinking right. Timothy. Sh- well, I've already decided Timothy Chalamet is going to be me. <laughs>
1: oh, my gosh. Well, if Timothy Chalamet is you, then I'm going to be me so that I can be with Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
0: There you go. I, I so love that. All right. Last question we ask every guest, uh, Missy, is, is to give. Give your best advice to anybody out there who's listening who wants to to have a, a sustainable, successful, and I think most importantly, a satisfying career.
1: My best advice is that there is no one right or wrong way to be successful in this industry. However, you do have to quiet the noise sometimes, uh, so quieting the noise within our industry sometimes means asking advice from people who are outside of the industry. I would challenge you to be okay to maybe Think your own way and also look outside specifically the beauty industry. Sometimes if you maybe want to learn a little bit about how your business could be structured or how you could run your day to day. And then it's really cool when you can kind of merge those two worlds and create your own perfect scenario.
0: I love that. I love it. I'm going to add that um, the caution that the loudest voice in the room is typically not the best voice to listen to. <laughs> so true yeah so true. so true all right so oh my gosh so a really big thank you to the newest brand partner to beautycast network schedulicity and schedulicity's director of sales and business development missy meganson i'm so excited we had this time together today missy
1: me too this is i mean i feel like we could go on for hours and i hope that everybody listening enjoyed this conversation maybe feels a little bit challenged or has questions um, because I'm excited to keep this conversation going.
0: Yeah, and and we will soon be launching. We're gonna. It's gonna be the last Sunday of every month coming up um, to the launch of a really special series of episodes called Mastering the Business of Beauty. Created in collaboration with Missy and Schedulicity. Um, and so, if, if you like what you heard today, I encourage you to leave a rating and or review, hit the subscribe button. And of course, best yet, share it with a colleague, share it with a friend, um, pay it forward, help others to find the podcast. Be sure to follow us over at Beautycast Network on Instagram, um, Beautycast on Facebook. Um, this has been the Mastering Beauty Podcast from Beautycast Network. Be sure to tune in every Sunday for new episodes. I'm Gordon Miller, and I will be back with an all new episode next time.